0: Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and it's going to be an exciting show this morning. I'm glad you're listening. I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's celebration the other day. I know I sure did with my beautiful wife of the past 12 years, Aaron Herbst. I love you now more than I ever have before, and I am the most blessed man alive to be able to live with you I love you, and happy belated Valentine's Day. Well, anyway, I hope you also had a wonderful Valentine's Day and Valentine's celebration. I thought this would be a good thing to talk about this morning. Everybody's wondering about love this time of year. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to find love. Those that aren't in a romantic relationship hate Valentine's Day usually. I often hear Valentine's referred to as Singleness Awareness Day. And for all of you that are single, you are valuable and loved, even if you aren't in a romantic relationship. But the bottom line is this show talks about apologetics most often, and that is the word that we use to describe the answers to humanity's questions about God, who is God, and is there evidence for faith in Christ, and all these types of questions that we ask. But I also like on this show, like I said in the intro to describe God's answers for humanity's questions and that includes all these questions that we all have about life and about our purpose and all these existential questions and one of the fundamental questions that we're all asking like I mentioned a minute ago is what is love and how can I be loved and how can I find love and how should I love others and I thought that this would be an appropriate topic to discuss today on the God solution and there's nobody better to turn to as we discuss this issue of love than C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis wrote a wonderful book called The Four Loves, where he described the four different types of love described by four different Greek words. It's easy with our modern English language to confuse the meaning of love. The Greeks had it a little better off, they didn't confuse it so much, they had great definitions for important words so that they could keep the different aspects of love distinct so that they wouldn't be confused about it. In our society, we confuse these terribly. I love pizza. I love kittens. I love movies. I love my kids. I love my car. I love my house. I love my hot tub. I love my wife. I love, love, love. We say we love everything. And that is how love has gotten so confused. We use one word for all these different emotions, if you will, all these different actions, all these different ways of expressing ourselves. And so love has really become confused in our modern society. And I think it's good to get back to the roots, and C.S. Lewis does that better than anyone. So C.S. Lewis talks about four different Greek words for love, and those are affection, friendship, eros, and charity. Affection is the English translation of the Greek word storge, which is not in the New Testament. And it really refers to just affection. Like I like pizza or I like kittens or I met somebody and they were nice. There's not a whole lot of commitment. There's not a whole lot of sincerity. It's just a feeling of affection. The next type of love that C.S. Lewis describes is Friendship or phileo love. I love my friends. I love my brother. Things like that. And that is mentioned in the New Testament. Not as much as the main New Testament word for love, which is agape, but it is mentioned. Next, we have erotic love or eros, which is also not in the New Testament, but it it definitely is a biblical theme. Sex is not something that should be ashamed of or something that shouldn't be talked about. The Bible is very descriptive about sex and talks about it as a gift that God has given a husband and wife to enjoy together. And it's something that's supposed to be amazing and wonderful. And I have found that it truly is in the marriage context that God gave to us. In I'll talk more about that in a minute. But finally, the ultimate, ultimate word used in the Greek language for love is agape. And it literally meant unconditional love. And it's defined in the Bible very specifically. So 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 8 is the famous love passage in the New Testament. And it describes agape love very well. And it actually uses the word agape every time you hear the word love in the English translation in this passage. So here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. Quite the incredible picture of true, authentic love. Let me read that again. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Amazing description of true Christian unconditional love, agape love. Unbelievable. And that's the kind of love that I want to be coming out of my life more and more. Anyway, you could summarize that into the following statement. And my dear friend Eli Stewart put it this way Love is unconditionally choosing and acting for another's best interest. Again, that's unconditionally choosing and acting for another's best interest. That's true love, not like what we see in the society all around us. And interestingly, the Bible says that. God is love, and it actually uses that same Greek word agape when it says God is love. So God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but God rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. And God never fails. It's pretty amazing when we realize that God is love to substitute God into that passage about love to discover some of the characteristics and attributes of God's nature. God is love. And Jesus summarized all the law and all the commandments into two main commandments. And he said, these are the two greatest commandments. They are one love. And again, the word agape is used there. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In other words, live to put God's good above your own and do that with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Next, the second greatest commandment is to love. And again, the same Greek word agape for unconditional love is used. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commands, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we talk about love, This is what we're talking about, true, biblical, unconditional love. Now, as we talk about those two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor, you can't help but see that, as Jesus said, all the laws are summarized in these two. We can look right back at the Ten Commandments and see this is the case. The first four of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 describe loving God. You should have no other gods before him. You should have no idols Don't take his name in vain or use it improperly. And remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Spend time with God every week, putting him in his rightful place in your life. So those first four of the Ten Commandments talk about loving God. The second half of the Ten Commandments, the last six, describe loving other people or loving our neighbor as ourself. Honor your father and mother, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet, all those involve loving our neighbor as ourself. And so we really see this incredible picture in scripture of unconditional love, that being the definition of what love should be. So I thought it would be good to compare that agape love to what we see all around us because we see so many different false views of love. So what is love? Let's compare agape, unconditional, biblical Christian love right from that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 with the selfish love that we see all around us. And it's probably something that you've experienced, unfortunately, in your own life, that selfish love. And unfortunately, each one of us have Loved others with that selfish love as well. So here's a comparison of true, authentic, unconditional, biblical, Christian love with selfish love. So true love is patient. Selfish love is impatient. True love is kind while selfish love is selfish. True love does not envy while selfish love envies other people and wants what they have. True love does not boast while selfish love boasts. And is arrogant. True love is not proud while selfish love is proud. True love is not rude while selfish love is rude. True love is not self seeking while selfish love is self seeking and wants its own. True love is not easily angered. Selfish love is easily angered. True love keeps no record of wrongs while selfish love doesn't forgive. True love does not delight in evil while selfish love does delight in evil. True love rejoices with the truth, while selfish love rejoices in deception. True love always protects. Selfish love never protects. True love always trusts, while selfish love does not trust. True love always hopes, while selfish love always leads to hopelessness. True love always perseveres, while selfish love never perseveres. It's only in it for the short run. It's only in it for its own interests. True love never fails, while selfish love always fails. If you've ever been in a relationship or been supposedly loved by someone who was impatient and selfish, envious, boastful, proud, rude, self-seeking, angry, unforgiving, evil, deceptive, or dishonest, someone that did not protect you, someone that did not trust you, someone that was always hopeless and led that relationship to hopelessness, someone that didn't persevere with you and someone who failed you, that was an incorrect expression of love. That was selfish love. That was worldly love. That was not the kind of love that God has for you, nor the kind of love that God desires for you. See, our society has become so crazy. It's gotten so far away from truth. It's gotten so far away from absolute standards. It's made everything all about the individual. And self-actualization and individualism have become God in our society. So do whatever feels right. That's what's best for you. Follow your heart. Well, when people do whatever they feel is right, when they follow their heart, it leads them to be selfish. That's by definition what following your heart is. It's By definition, what doing what feels right is. And that selfishness is the antithesis of true love. So it's no wonder that we look out in our society and see so much pain and suffering and such a lack of true, authentic love. We see so much despair. We see so many people feeling lonely. In fact, it's one of those statistics that's always alarming, the number of college students that feel lonely while they're in college But all around you, people are lonely. Recently, some studies were done and they found that less than two true friends per person exist in most people's lives. That's tragic. So most people have fewer than two true friends that they can really share who they really are with and talk about important things with. This is crazy that we're living in such a loveless society, a society without godly love. But it makes all the sense in the world because if God is love and we've removed God from our society, then what remains is a society without love. And that's what we see all around us. We don't see a society of love. We see a society of selfishness. We don't see a society of love. We see a society of lust. Just look at any movie that comes out and pretty much all of them are full of lust. Pretty much every commercial on TV is telling you to lust, to lust after other people, after other things, to selfishly desire your own good from others, not to put their good above your own. And that's tragic. So let's just go back to that passage again and compare true love with lust. Love is patient while lust is impatient. Love is kind while lust is selfish love does not envy while lust envies love does not boast while lust boasts love is not proud lust is proud love is not rude lust is rude love is not self-seeking lust is self-seeking love is not easily angered lust is easily angered love keeps no record of wrongs lust doesn't forgive lust does not delight in evil lust delights in evil Love rejoices with the truth. Lust rejoices in deception and dishonesty. Love always protects. Lust never protects. Love always trusts. Lust never trusts. Love always hopes. Lust always leads to hopelessness. Love always perseveres. Lust never perseveres. Love never fails. Lust always fails. It's incredible how painful a society results from It's citizens pursuing lust and selfishness, but that's truly what we see all around us. Our society doesn't even know what true love is anymore. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR, 91.9 and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. I'm thrilled you're listening. We're talking about love this morning and the biblical view of love and what true love is. And we're doing that because last week was Valentine's Day. I hope you had a great Valentine's celebration, and I hope that you are getting a lot out of the show today. So we're talking about love, and I've just described true biblical love, and I've tried to show how that's different from what we see all around us in society. I mentioned the prominent biblical definition of love, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I'll read it again in case you're just tuning in. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. That's true love, and it's something that is almost completely absent in our society, and that's unfortunate. What we have instead of true love is selfish love and lust. Now, like I said at the beginning of the show, last week was Valentine's Day. And that brings to mind all that Valentine's Day has come to celebrate. And for the most part in our society, that's lust, not true love. In fact, on Valentine's Day, I got on Facebook and one of the students that we've met on campus posted a picture of his dorm room door on the morning of Valentine's Day and his R.A. had taped a bunch of condoms to all the doors. What a terrible expression. What a terrible way to define love. Condoms. Trashy sex. Sex that means nothing. I once saw a poster that had a pile of condoms on it and it said, too bad they don't make one for your heart. Now, I'm not a Catholic and I'm not saying that all contraceptives are bad or anything like that. I'm not even getting into that argument. What I am saying is that regardless of the contraceptive issue, love has become nothing more than disposable in our society. And Valentine's Day has come to show that disposable view of love. It's come to be defined by disposable, fake love selfish love, lust, not true, unconditional love. So as we think about that, I wanted to talk about sex for a minute. I didn't want to focus the whole show on the issue of sex, but it's important to talk about it. Howard Hendricks said we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about what God wasn't ashamed to create. And that's true. We shouldn't be ashamed to talk about sex because Christians have the best sex. God made sex to be enjoyed by a married man and wife. And Study after study shows that the most satisfying sex is in committed heterosexual relationships, and that's because God made it to be enjoyed that way. So talking about good biblical sex, I came up with an acronym that I hope will stick with you, and that is great sex, and it is the opposite of sex outside of marriage, which is awful sex. So let's go through the acronym. I love acronyms, and I hope that this Keeps in your mind what true awesome sex is all about. So G out of the great acronym, sex is grounded. That means it has a foundation. It's called marriage, a commitment. That foundation is secure, it's stable, and it's safe. There's no fear of STDs. There's no fear of all these other potential dangers, right? In marriage, it's grounded and secure, Outside of marriage, sex is ambiguous. There's no foundation. There's no commitment. It's insecure, unstable, and it's dangerous. STDs result that kill people. Sometimes people get pregnant and they abort those babies and kill babies. So oftentimes the result of sex outside of marriage is harming yourself or killing other people. It's a terrible result of sex. Sex should be good. It shouldn't be Disastrous and painful. Okay, R in the great acronym, it's respectful. See, in marriage, you have freedom to be yourself and to accept your spouse for who they are. There's safety to experiment and to become what you will be together. Outside of marriage, W from the awful acronym, it's weary. It's performance-based acceptance. It's not safe to experiment and you're unable to grow in the relationship. Inside of marriage, E out of the great acronym, sex is equal. It's two individuals growing and learning together, communicating, sharing expectations and desires. This is a wonderful picture of what true love is in a sexual relationship. Outside of marriage, it's factional, F from the awful acronym. It's two individuals seeking their own ends, arguing with and misunderstanding each other, trying to get what they want out of the relationship. And that's the end of it. In marriage, sex is A, out of the great acronym, agape love-centered. It's selfless, unconditional love, serving and putting each other first, desiring each other's highest good. There's no shame or regret. And when two couples are in it for each other's good, they both get more out of it than they ever would if they are in it for selfish reasons. But outside of marriage, sex is you, in the awful acronym, ungenerous. It's selfish and conditional. It's using each other for your own desires, and it's full of shame and regret. Okay, finally, T out of the great acronym. In marriage, sex is time-enhanced. A past that is shared, a present to enjoy, and a future to look forward to mean that sex gets better and better the longer you're married. Outside of marriage, it's lost time, L in the awful acronym. It's lost time, a past full of regrets, a present that's selfish and insecure, and a future that's uncertain. And all that means that sex gets more and more painful, and less satisfying, longer you're in that cycle, having sex outside of that marriage relationship. So when Christians talk about saving sex for marriage, they're not saying that because God wants to ruin your fun. They're saying that because God designed it this way to be the best possible thing in that context. It's not to ruin your fun. It's to protect your fun, if you want to put it that way, to give you God's very best. He's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to protect you from the pain, agony, and suffering that you see all around you. So as we talk about love and romance and all these different issues that come to mind when we celebrate Valentine's, I really want to wrap the show up talking about how much God loves you because God really does love you. Now, again, a lot of people look at Valentine's as Singleness Awareness Day. If you're one of those, or if you're someone in a relationship that also feels lonely or that needs love, and we all need love, the reality is that God loves you with an infinite love. He tells you that in Scripture. Here are just a few other passages from Scripture that describe God's love for you. Again, I'll start with the one we've read a few times on the show today because it so perfectly defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, keeps no record of when it has been wronged. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It always endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. God is love. And God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself scripture says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son jesus that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends jesus said that and i'll elaborate on that verse in a minute how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of god and that is what we are neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God's love. I pray, Paul writes, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, and we love because he first loved us. So if you're listening to this show and you're thinking, yep, I see very selfish love all around me, this terrible antithesis of true love that Nate's talking about, and it's hurt me, and I know I've hurt others when I love them that way, and I want to love with the kind of love that God has, you might be asking, how can I unconditionally love others with that authentic true love? Well, I have some bad news and some good news, and I'll start with the bad news first. How can you unconditionally love others? You can't because you're a selfish person just like me. And the epitome of selfishness is not being able to love others the way we're supposed to. So we're selfish and we cannot unconditionally love others on our own. But God in you can. See, if God is love and if God is in you, then God can love others through you. And you can love others with God's love, with his unconditional, authentic, true love. See, and I read it a minute ago, 1 John 4:19 says we love because he first loved us. When I respond to God's love for me, when I receive the love he has for me, when I allow him to come into my heart and to take over my life, he enables me to love him and others with his love. So that first and second greatest commandment that I talked about at the beginning of the show, loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others as myself, that becomes possible Only with God in me. When love is in me, I can love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I can love others as myself. See, it all begins with a relationship with Christ, allowing God to come into your life and to love others through you. Beyond that, when Christ comes into my life, Scripture says that He puts His Holy Spirit in me, and He'll do the same for you when you put your trust in Christ. And the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in us. And one of the fruits of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5 is love. So when you begin a relationship with Christ, he puts his Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit begins to produce true, authentic love in your life, helping you love others with his love. So how do you let love come into your life? Well, that really begins with responding to Christ's invitation to begin a relationship with him. See, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And he said that in John 15, right before he laid down his life for you and I. And the reason he laid down his life for you and I is like he just said there, he loves you. And he desires a relationship with you. He loves you and he has a plan for your life. Unfortunately, he's perfectly loving and I'm not. God is perfect and I'm not, and a perfect person cannot be with an imperfect one, so I can't be in relationship with God as an imperfect person. That being said, Jesus, God in human flesh, lived a perfect life on this earth. He died on the cross for your sins and mine, so that all my sins and all yours could be taken care of, so that anyone who puts their faith and trust in him would be adopted into his family, would be given a new life, would be, as scripture says, born again with God himself living inside you, enabling you to love others. If you've never taken that step, I would ask you to do that today, to say, Jesus, I need you. Please come into my life. Please forgive my sins. Please be my Savior and Lord. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again to give me new life. The Bible says if you put your trust in him through prayer like that, sincerely desiring to give him control of your life. He will adopt you into his family. He'll make you his child. He'll guarantee you an eternity with him in heaven and a life full of his love here on this planet. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today and I hope you really will take that step with God and begin to experience what true love is all about. You could begin to experience that at a local church today. Go to godsolutionshow.com for more on some local churches and times and places that you could visit. I'd like to invite you to connect this week at Noble 125, Tuesday at 6 p.m. I hope to see you there. Get all of our previous shows at Godsolutionshow.com. And remember that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening today. Have a great Sunday. And whatever you do, don't forget how much God loves you.